You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and with Chris on the Paracast, we've got a fascinating guest, first time on the show, all about conspiracy theories. We'll hear about that later on. But right now, as you know, a lot of what happens on the Paracast doesn't happen on the show. It happens in our forums at forum.theparacast.com. That's forum.theparacast.com. So, for example, last week we had Nick Redfern. He had a book out called Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind, whether the premature deaths of certain people may have been related to UFOs or some other conspiracy. Well, Nick occasionally participates in the forums. So when some questions were asked by our listeners, Nick showed up to answer them. And then there's a thread that started with Ryan Skinner's appearance a couple of weeks back about the latest brouhaha or chit-chat about the Skinwalker Ranch and things around it. Of course, he had a brand new book out to promote. And that has really started a big discussion. Chris, you got yourself involved in that. Um, it's, it's good to see we have new signups every week. It's uh, a growing uh, online community here at forum.theparacast.com. And, of course, we invite all our listeners to get involved, ask questions, uh, you know, share some of your thoughts and opinions. <laughs> we have a new forum poster who uh, has been spat, splashing the that particular thread dry. I'm not sure what to say about it, Gene, except for he sure says the same thing over and over again. <laughs> well, it's like insanity. You keep thinking if you say the same thing over and over again, it's going to change. Now, I'm not saying here this guy is insane. You know, I have no idea. He might just be starting trouble. He might sincerely believe what he says. I think he does believe what he says. Uh, however, he does have a rather strident persona. Yes, we get a few of those. Occasionally, we have to ban them. You know, we say, you know what? Too strident, out the door. But we do have a terms of service at the forums. And it says basically that you're not supposed to insult people. Don't be too inflammatory, but we tend to be relaxed about enforcement. And we're not going to liken that to the claims about how we enforce our borders here in the USA. But we let a person have their say, and then if they get a bit abusive or a bit too abusive, we say, time out. Sometimes we ban them for a couple of weeks or more. Sometimes we throw them out. But we don't do that very often. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, we have a very close-knit forum community with, I must say, Gene, some of our listeners are way more up to speed in many aspects of the subjects that we cover here, way more up to speed than I am. And it's very rare that I go on to the forums and not learn something new. And I think that's a sign of a good, vibrant online community where people are sharing their particular aspects of their research, their opinions, their theories. And for the most part, I think we have a really good give and take uh, that occurs. But like you uh, pointed out, sometimes it gets a little heated and uh, new people are given a little slack at the beginning. But ad hominem attacks and calling, name calling and that sort of thing just uh, doesn't doesn't fly. We do ask all our new signups to get involved, but, uh, you know, have a little bit of a pleasant decorum about you, yourself and, and the information that you're sharing. It's interesting about forums is that somebody can be a really sweet person 
when you talk to them on the phone or we have them on the show or we just meet them personally. And then they get into a forum. And I guess it's the feeling of anonymity in the forum because suddenly they become a different person. It's Jekyll and Hyde. It's Lon Chaney becoming the Wolfman. Whatever it is, they become totally the opposite of what you think they are. And that gets to be strange. It does. But again, I think it's important to have a vibrant online community because that's where people are really challenged uh, in terms of their belief systems, their opinions. And uh, we have some really bright, up-to-speed people that really are uh, very good at getting a person to really uh, back up their assertions, back up their theories, back up their opinions with some research and with some data and responding the same way over and over again, uh, you know, using, you know, C-Post 69, C-Post 150. It gets a little, I think it wears a little thin on some of the, you know, the more longtime posters. Uh, some people have been posting here ever since uh, the Paracast started back in 2006. And, and we have uh, quite a number of posters that have posted over a thousand messages on the forums. And I think it's important to share your ideas and back them up, but um, to badger people, to sound like a broken record, uh, you know, to use you know, kind of cliche terms over and over again. It gets old. It does, Gene. Well, here's an example of that. I'm not going to criticize the offender, but we had a lot of posts from Ted Rowe of NARCAP. Now, NARCAP is one of the most serious, energetic, dedicated UFO organizations on the planet. They don't call them UFO. They call them unidentified aerial phenomena. Regardless, I guess they don't want to have the toxic feeling of UFOs. Ted has been very gracious with his time in the forums. He's posted a lot of messages. He spent hours in there talking to our listeners, detailing his viewpoints. And we had one or more people, mostly one person. And everything he said, you know, seemed to get attacked over and over again. For a while, I think Ted got disgusted and left. But then he's come back from time to time. And the thing is here, if you get a very well-known guest in our forums, and we've had lots of people there. Richard Dolan has been in there on occasion in past years and others. Nick Redfern, of course, comes in occasionally. Show them respect. But that's true with anybody. If you disagree with them, don't be disagreeable. That sounds like a terrible cliche. But let them have their say. Say your piece and get out. But don't just go over and over and on and on again about the same points. Get on with it, man. Right. Or tune into uh, some of the humor uh, threads that are on the forum. <laughs> uh, there's some good ones. Or, or the music thread, which has blossomed into this you know, multi-thousand post monster. Or tune into consciousness and the paranormal, which is rapidly approaching the record, I think, for a number of posts. We're almost up to 2,500. There are some really good posts on there, and there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. And I think if you just spend a little time and go through, look up some of the subjects that you're interested in, you're going to learn a lot. Some of them are pretty crazy. Like, for example, 10 rules for dealing with the police. What? I don't know. Yeah. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. I think that's really three words that really sum things up. Don't get caught. And that's it. But, you know, they cover anything and everything. 
We don't allow personal ads and stuff. There are a few things we don't allow. If we catch you doing it, we're just going to say bye-bye. Go to forum.theparacast.com, forum.theparacast.com. This is not a paid ad. You don't pay anything to join the forums. Just sign up, hang out, and say something. And there you go. Today, we're back to conspiracy theories. And I got a letter from our old friend Tim Beckley, who is sometimes an, an assistant producer for the show because he has a lot of great ideas. And he says, what about Olav Phillips, who is someone who's been specializing in conspiracy research for a number of years. He's been on all the major shows. He's been on TV. And he talks about secret space program in caps, exotic aircraft, high technology, foreign policy, prehistory, and mysterious civilizations, among other things. And of course, we have conspiracies everywhere. We don't believe anybody, whether it's the IRS and that story, whether it's Benghazi, whatever it is, We don't believe it. We don't believe the government. We don't believe anybody. And into that realm, we get people who specialize in the things that people have questions about. And maybe sometimes, or more than sometimes, those theories are really not what they're cracked up to be. But what the heck? Let's see what happens. Olav Phillips, coming in a moment with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Hi, Mike Pence with Midas Resources Incorporated, Senior Monetary Specialist. With foreign countries going bankrupt and states within the United States going bankrupt, not to mention all the Ponzi schemes in the marketplace, do you think your money and investments are safe? Of course not. Call me, Mike Pence, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. I can help answer any questions you have about protecting your money, whether it be personal possession or holding precious metals in an IRA. Gold carries a 6,000-year history that is the only real and lasting money in the world. Paper currencies have come and gone. Governments have toppled. The world map has changed many times, and yet gold still thrives in almost every country. Gold is the ultimate store of wealth. Central banks continue to maintain reserves of gold. Common sense begs the question, why? Let me help you answer that question. Call me, Mike Pence, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. Call now, and I will send you free information on precious metals. Call Mike Pence, 1-800-686-2237, extension 181. What good is a big Berkey water filter? 
We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey Water Filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Dot com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're joined on the Paracast this week by Olav Phillips. He is a conspiracy researcher. And one thing I was saying in the previous segment, Olav, is that it seems that we don't believe anything and anyone anymore. And let's start with that before we go into some of the things that our listeners are interested in, some of the things that Chris and I are interested in. But first of all, how did you become, among all the things one can become, a conspiracy researcher? Uh, well, it, it started a long time ago. I used uh, UFOs as the, the gateway, so to speak. When I was eight years old, um, I saw something anomalous. And in a struggle for my, my young mind to understand what I saw, I went to my elementary school library, and they had a bunch of books on UFOs from Jacques Vallée and, and uh, J. Allen Hynek and others. And so I started to read them. You know, I couldn't completely understand them, being that I was only eight. But they, you know, mass market paperbacks are written in such a way that most people can understand them. So I use that as an entry point. Uh, the longer I researched UFOs, the older I got, the more... I was driven toward the conspiracy end of it because there's within ufology, as you are well aware, there's a lot of conspiracy. And so from there, I kind of branched out. Okay, conspiracy. Looking at UFO fields particularly, is the conspiracy the alleged decision by governments to withhold the truth about the subject? 
in ufology, I think there's a lot of conspiracies. <laughs> there's there's definitely that one in the whole disclosure movement. Um, I think there's also, you know, the, the CIA has, has shown time and time again that they use UFOs as a cover for testing. You know, when they were flying the A-12, the predecessor to the SR-71, um, they used UFO sightings as covers for that. People would see this bizarre... Uh, looking silver things streak across the sky at high speed and they'd say, oh, it's a UFO. It was actually an A-12. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that, that that showing that behavior, you know, there's also a conspiracy to cover up top secret aircraft by explaining them as UFOs, amongst other things. Well, that raises a question that we've discussed from time to time in the Paracast, Olaf, and that is, what portion of the so-called UFO mystery is itself just a cover-up for test aircraft? And we can go back to Roswell, even. And whatever else you think about Roswell, and maybe you have your own opinions, one right. possible theory is not balloons, but there was a test aircraft, and they created this whole story revolving around possible flying saucers or a flying saucer crashing to uh-huh. hide that fact. You know, I think that Roswell's the anomaly. You know, I I do believe that some UFOs are UFOs, that they're alien. But, you know, in the case of Roswell, you're talking about the 509th. It's the only nuclear-equipped bombing squadron in the world at that time. And they were the creme de la creme of the Army Air Force, you know. And these guys, a lot of them were combat veterans, Pretty much all of them knew what an aircraft looked like. And I I have trouble believing that Marcel, Jesse Marcel, when he went out to the field and saw this object crash in the ground, that he couldn't identify it even as an exotic aircraft. So I I think Roswell may may legitimately have been a crashed UFO. But if it was a a crashed exotic aircraft, you know, it it would have been something that was completely alien to him, which is possible. I mean, there, there are some pretty odd aircraft that we fly. So that that very well could. But I think if one thing has got a shot at being alien, it's probably Roswell. Hola, this is Chris. Uh, that brings up a very interesting you know, possibility, but it also does not address uh, what some researchers, including Joseph Farrell, uh, who come up with the idea that Roswell could have possibly been some sort of test of Nazi saucer technology. Now, uh, Farrell has gone through uh, quite a bit of research as an Oxford scholar and come up with some real interesting, intriguing uh, documentation that suggests that the U.S. purloined scientists with paperclip and also technology. And Farrell even goes a step further and, and states that this could have been some sort of Nazi secret project that was being operated by the Germans coming into our airspace, and that alarmed the U.S. to such a degree that uh, the whole thing was palmed off as some sort of mistaken identity of a balloon. And then in the early days of, of Roswell, once it you know came back into the mainstream back in the late 70s, early 80s, then the whole alien uh, angle came in. Where do you come down on the state of technology in 1947 and uh, you know this whole idea of Nazi saucer technology. Well, I've actually written a lot about it. You know, I I do believe that the Germans had uh, UFOs, what we would perceive to be UFOs, Uh, you know, the Hanabu. I don't know about the Vril and some of of uh, Schumberger's Vortex-based stuff, but definitely the Hanabu. I I think um, 
you know, you look at some of the the other sightings that have been have been seen. They seem to fit that mode, right? There was a uh, oh boy, what was that one? Um, there was one I forget the. This always happens to me when I'm on an interview, right? Uh, the one it was like in New York, upstate New York, and it crashed, and they fished it out. And it was a bell shaped object. It actually looked a lot like the bell is supposed to. Glocka. I think you're talking about Pennsylvania and Kecksburg. Pennsylvania, Kecksburg, yes. Uh, the Kecksburg UFO, you know, it, it's got that kind of bell shape. Um, the hieroglyphics that people claim to have been who've seen could very well have been, have been um, you know, runic. Because, I mean, the Germans, if they were nothing else, you know, they the upper echelons, at least, were very occultish. So writing runes on the side of it to imbue it with some sort of supernatural power is something that that is not foreign to the upper echelons of the, you know, the Third Reich. So I think that that definitely is true. Um, you know, and I'll take it a step further where, you know, guys like Igor Witowski and, and, and Nick Cook, who got it from Igor Witowski, and Joseph Farrell, who got it from Nick Cook and Igor Witowski, where they were the logical end of what they researched is a breakaway civilization, right? The, the, to me, when I, when I hear about German technology at that time, and Henry Stevens wrote an amazing book on German technology in the late, late ends of the war, you know, synthetic blood, synthetic fuels, you know, guns that could shoot around corners, the first cruise missile, nuclear weapons that they tested, you know, I think they had the capability to do it. Um, you know, I mean, the whole base 211 thing is totally feasible. Uh, there, you know, the idea that the Kamler took all the scientists out of Derisi and took them to 211 and somewhere else is totally legitimate. It could it could very well happen. You know, the the Junkers 390 uh, aircraft that he supposedly had six of, I think five. I think one crashed, but about six. One of the things that people don't realize is that the the Junkers the Junkers uh, 390 can actually be mid air refueled. That the Germans had tested right. uh, mid air refueling a 390 with a 290. Uh, they made a flight to the northern part, north extreme northern latitudes of Canada to test to see if they could actually bomb New York. And they well, at least they didn't bomb New York. But I wouldn't be well, here they, now uh, if they did. We're going to do our break <laughs> now, Olav. We have Olav Phillips. Conspiracy researcher, more to come with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know.
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 for over five years you've been hearing about the berkey guy so you may know a few things about him for example you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of berkey water filters and accessories But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Now we're moving into here what the Germans did, the things that they developed in World War II. Of course, our entire space program, Russia's entire space program, all were based on getting some of those German scientists to come aboard. Now, we can talk about a lot of cases and a lot more to cover, Olav, but I just wanted to ask you parenthetically here, what is it about German scientists that they seem to be ahead of the rest of the world when it came to early space programs, rocket ships, things like that? You cannot answer. That is verboten. Uh, After Lieber and all that, or Oak, my liver, forget it. (laughs) 
you know, I don't really know. I mean, they they've always the the Germans have always had a had a fixation with the, you know, physics. Uh, the Max Planck Institute is probably the top top physics uh, institution in the world. I mean, they they led the way, and they always have on those on physics and and rocketry, mathematics. For some reason, they just they did. <laughs> I don't, I'm probably not qualified to answer that. <laughs> well, yeah, you have a you have a good point, of course. Uh, Victor Schaubarger and his uh, vortex. Uh, right. theories about vortex behavior. One thing that has always intrigued me is the idea that the original, you know, mother load case that brought in the modern age of ufology, of course, Kenneth Arnold in June of 47. Right. There have been some uh, revisionist uh, conspiracy investigators that have suggested that he saw a flight of the Horton brothers uh, who were you know, aircraft designers, they had a flying wing that was in development. And and some have suggested that what Arnold actually saw was a formation of, of Horton flying wings. Right. It's a Horton uh, 229, I believe. Yeah, I, I think he probably did. And one other interesting thing that, well, there are a bunch of interesting things. Um, Wait a minute. You think Arnold saw terrestrial technology on his flight going by Mount Rainier? Yes. Okay, so so the whole flying saucer, flying disc thing, well, he is never predicated on a sighting saucer. of conventional technology. He never said it was a flying saucer. He described it as a, he actually said that it looked like it it flew like a saucer, like a saucer across the surface across of water. a pond. But my point is this: that that particular cultural meme started pretty much with the Arnold sighting and has has a tremendous influence even the 67 plus years later so right. you're saying that this whole thing could be predicated on a misidentified uh aspect of our our, our own terrestrial technology yes I, I it wouldn't be the first time right like i said the the cia used to cover up flights of the a12 the predecessor of the sr-71 by saying that they were ufos and i'll, I'll take it one step further um, after the Arnold sighting, one of the things that grew up in the late 40s and early 50s was this contactee movement, right? I would argue to you that many of the individuals that, that had these contacts, like Adamski and others, who met with quote-unquote Nordics were meeting with Germans. And one of the ways that, that I can demonstrate that to you is that there's a, a little-known part of the Betty and Barney Hill story that never gets any attention at all. when like Barney uniforms. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just the uniforms. There's actually something else. Um, there is the uniforms that, that Barney Hill described the uniforms as being very German-like, that they were black with silver piping and they wore peak caps like the, like the Germans did. But one of the other interesting elements is that during the abduction, that, uh, the, the Hills claimed that they were shepherded around by a, uh, an individual who they described as being a redheaded Irishman. And what's interesting about that is that it's not commonly known, but there were factions of the Irish government during World War II that were very sympathetic to the Germans. In fact, the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, who, who spent 50 years actively fighting the English, actually sent people to Germany to be trained by the Nazis. They were equipped by the Nazis to fight the English, and they actually fronted soldiers 
this notion the the Irish of the Irish and the Germans that they they had um, they actually fronted uh, soldiers that fought in the Spanish Civil War on the side of the fascists. They had groups of individuals that were Irish that fought with the SS legions during World War II. So it's it's not insane that there would be a a redheaded Irishman on a crew of Germans on a German UFO. Well, how far do you think the Germans advanced in the things they were doing? A German UFO is not something that can go into outer space, is it? It's just something that's an aircraft shaped like a disc. But why wouldn't it be able to go into outer space? Well, we're talking about the 1940s here. Yeah, but they they also detonated a nuclear device in the 40s. They did? Yes. Ahead of the Manhattan Project? Ahead of the Manhattan Project. In fact, there's one strain of conspiracy theory that it seems to go down the path of we would never have been able to generate enough nuclear material to build the bombs that dropped in Japan. So they actually got it from, from the Germans. They captured it. We have a lot of these stories revolving around how advanced the Nazis were. But if that is true and they're so advanced, how come they lost the war? Um, because they had a madman who ran their country. You know, if they, if the, the, I'm not a, it's hard. The, the German generals, right? These guys were Prussians. Uh, you know, a lot of them were Prussian soldiers. They, they grew up in a militaristic, um, family lineage. I mean, they were, a lot of these guys like Rommel were born to fight, right? But the, some of the decisions that were made were political, um, I also think that you can't you can't long term run a country on fear and tyranny, which they did, which it'll eventually break down, and that's why Rommel and a, a number of generals, high ranking generals, attempted to to kill Hitler right at the Wolf's Lair. Um, but no, I mean if they hadn't started a, a two front war, if uh, if they had not not tried to attempt what Napoleon had failed to do, they it would have been a very different conversation. I think right. also well, if they have been able to take Kursk in, in a timely fashion, of course, getting getting totally bogged down in Stalingrad, uh, right. the war would have turned out probably differently uh, if they had reached the oil regions in the Caucasus. But exactly. one thing that I think I should point out here is that by the time that they invaded Poland and, you know, the in 39 and the war started, they had totally reinvented warfare with the mechanization of tanks and rapid uh, deployment of troops, the whole blitz, idea of blitzkrieg, so was so far ahead of conventional World War One dig trenches and and slog it out right. that the reason why some of the R and D projects that were already under under full steam, uh, uh, you know, they were developing rockets, they were developing all all sorts of of technologies. Hitler, I think. In in my interpretation, uh, Hitler, you know, had such a big head because conventional means of obtaining territory and defeating uh, armies was so efficient that there was really no need to emphasize super weapons. And by the time the Nazis realized or Hitler realized that the war was not going their way, they dumped all sorts of money, resources, uh, etc. into developing high technology and getting it operational, but it was too late. One theory about the Battle of the Bulge, uh, for instance, which was the last great offensive by by the Nazis uh, at the 
you know, end of World War II. One theory says that they were trying to get into Belgium so that they could have, you know, a closer, you know, platform to fire off V2 rockets, which could then reach possibly uh, New York. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, they, they had always... They had always uh, put a lot of money into R&D. I mean, one of the things they did fundamentally change warfare. I mean, a lot of the books that people read even today about like tank warfare were written by Rommel or Hans Guderian or these, you know, these uh, generals that, that control the vast tank armies. They put so much faith in it that, I mean, they built the largest cannon ever built. You know, I mean, it, it took like three weeks to set up and fire. <laughs> well, it's hard to have a war that way if you have to wait three weeks to fire a <laughs> shot. Let's do our break now, Olav. Olav Phillips joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Pentecost. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I didn't believe it. Neither did I. No way could you professionally remove unwanted hair, pain-free, and at home. My thoughts exactly. Remove my face and body hair without expensive, painful office visits. Not possible. Great minds think alike. Until I tried No-No Pro. Mm-hmm. Wait, you tried No-No? Yes, and it works. I use it on my face, legs, bikini line. We're BFFs, and you didn't tell me about No-No? Here, this is my new No-No Pro. The most powerful No-No made. Custom treatment levels, less hair in less time, perfect for any skin type. Try it. No hair, no pain, no time consuming expensive office visits? No. No. And no, no. For a limited time, you can try No-No Pro risk-free. You'll also get the facial kit and a travel case. Get weeks of long-lasting results. That's it. I'm getting a no-no. Great minds do think alike. (laughs) (laughs) Try No-No Pro risk-free by calling 800-952-5760. 800-952-5760. That's 800-952-5760. 800-952-5760. This is big! Not just big, it's the Freeze Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale. This month, save 30 to 45% off on number 10 cans of high quality Mountain House freeze dried foods from the Freeze Dry Guy. Factory fresh stock just arrived, so now is the time to stock up with the finest, best tasting, longest proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45% off. But hurry, supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand. Call 866 404 3663. 
Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry, the giant factory authorized Mountain House sale is going on now. Only from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then Design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit drortman.com. That's Dr. O R T M A N.com. Or call us today, 952 303 9124. That's 952 303 9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, Chiropractic Done Right. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Well, I am not going to attempt to imitate a German accent. They do tell me that Steinberg stands for Stone Mountain in German. I don't know. Stone Hill. Stone Hill. Okay, I'll climb the Stone Hill next week and see where we go. Olaf Phillips, conspiracy theory researcher, is here. We're talking about possible Nazi inventions, things that may have really exceeded the progress of science, but because of foul-ups in the tactics of World War II, we are not now under a Nazi flag. Aren't we lucky, Chris? Yeah, Gene, I think we are. Of course, Tracy Torme's show Sliders had a number of episodes uh, where the the heroes of the show were going into parallel uh, realities. And one of those realities was the Nazis winning the war, which I, I found very, very intriguing, very creative. But Olav, uh, you know, we've heard from Joseph Farrell, from Henry Stevens, uh, I think Ronaldo, what, what was his name? Uh, Venato, I forget his name. Right. Uh, and other writers that the Nazis were actually dialing in some, highly esoteric uh potential technologies like the nazi bell project i think which was being r and d in czechoslovakia correct me if i'm wrong right but, but where do you come down uh on some of the more exotic theories that involve red mercury uh you know some sort of anti-gravity uh potential that sort of thing do we have any indication and in any uh documentation or proof that these uh technologies became operational or near operational well uh one of the pieces of proof um that i i've heard is on another radio show um the host was interviewing a a stealth engineer who had worked at area 51 uh legitimate area 51 right not ufos he worked on like the stealth fighter and the the a12 and sr-71 and stuff and the host asked him if he had ever heard of the bell um, I guess it's it's entered that pop culture meme now, and 
And this guy had said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And so the host described this object to him, uh, how it looked. It's you know, bell-shaped and you know runs on a weird kind of mercury fuel and all this. And the guy said, oh, I know what you're talking about, I think. They, that, all that stuff went to Wright-Patterson. Where they tested it and built it, so you know that that was pretty interesting to me. I mean, if you want a lot of proof about the Bell Project and some of the exotic uh, weapon systems that they built, you know, if you look at Henry Stevens Stevens' books, they're fantastic. I mean, he he's really dialed it in. As far as them becoming operational, I think you know I go back to the contactee era, right? You know, when you've got guys like Valiant Thor, which him being a Venusian makes no sense, but you've got people like Valiant Thor and Don and and Jill and the rest of them. They're talking to, they're going to the Pentagon and briefing, briefing the Pentagon. You know, they're they're flying around and meeting with people. If you look at some of the designs for this, the Venusian scout ships that Adamski had fronted, um, they're very similar to the Hanabu. You know, they, they look like a Hanabu. I mean, it even has the domes on the bottom and everything that, that is kind of quintessential to the Hanabu design. So that would seem to indicate to me that, you know, assuming that the Desmond Leslie and George Adamski and Howard Menger, and they really did see this stuff. And I think there's a chance they did. You know, Adamski. Well, I, I beg to differ with you on that. I mean, uh, Adamski actually showed Ray Stanford and his twin brother Rex how he was able to create some of his most celebrated uh, photographs, uh, many sure. of which are palmed off as, some- as true events uh, and true, uh, you know, vehicles today. Uh, basically, I think it was the end cap for a Polish back vacuum cleaner was the famous one. And it had three ping pong balls underneath. And if you look carefully, you can see where the glue spilled out from one of them. Um, it- I, I don't, Look at Adamski and and Williamson and Daniel Fry and George Van Tassel and others from that era as having complete legitimate experiences. Oh, I think maybe I. initially they did, but but yes. later on, I don't think they did. Oh, I absolutely agree with you one hundred percent. But it came from somewhere, and I think what I was about to say was that I I think that they may have had an experience in the beginning, and then especially with Adamski, he embellished it. I mean, and massively embellished it. I mean, book after book after book after book after book of embellishment. But I think that that somewhere in there, he did experience something. And the descriptions of, of what he perpetuated going forward, they do have an uncanny um, description of, of a Haunabu. Now, I would, again, agree with you 100% that I don't think that he had all the meetings that he says he did. It's impossible. I mean, it, he admitted he admitted, as you said, that he faked a number of the photos, but somewhere he saw something, and and I think that that he just he took it too far after that. He didn't stop, and that happens over and over and over and over again in ufology, right? <laughs> yes. So I'm going to name some names. Let me throw <laughs> something out in here. Of course, I don't know if you ever read the Adamski expose issue from Jim Mosley's Saucer News. We have it posted at jimmosley.com, which is a memorial site that Kurt Collins is running that I established for the works of Jim Mosley. This goes back to like 1957. And he quoted Adamski as saying, one, sometimes you have to go through the back door 
to present the truth. But it's also true that several years before Flying Saucers Have Landed appeared, his first book, he had a story where he met some kind of higher being that he at that time labeled Jesus Christ, giving the same messages of peace and brotherhood. Oh, Jesus, Gene. So, so we only heard this from Ray Palmer, who said he saw a copy of it in the early days. The point being here, of course, is that Adamski used the popular meme of the 1950s flying saucers and had his being come here in a flying saucer. It had nothing to do with maybe seeing a test aircraft or anything like that, just to present that possibility. Well, Olaf, who was who handling Adamski? Who, who put him up to all this? Do you think it's just a coincidence that uh, the contactee movement, you know, arose in our culture and had a profound impact, impact that even lasts till today? Do you think that there was some sort of conspiracy behind that? Do you think that there was an organized uh, attempt to uh, mislead the public uh, through these contactee figures? Well, there, there has been in the past. Right. That, that there has been infiltration and, and what it a lot of times, you know, in the ufology movement, one of the reasons that I started to get out of the ufology movement is that everybody points at everybody else and goes, you're a disinformation agent. Right. And, and, you know, you go to a conference and they say there are three guys in suits back there. They're they're part of the CIA. Right. But I think um, I think that there was some level of 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 uh penetration into these organizations and and disinformation was fed through them at some level to cover up test aircraft and even without the germans you know avro tried to test it uh i think uh boeing tried to build a a disc-shaped uh aircraft so the the thought was there they were all spectacular failures yes they were so that 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 further um, mystifies uh, the sightings and and makes people jump off planet, basically. Yeah, but I, you know, if you look at when they first, a lot of those test failures were, you know, in the fifties and in the sixties, and I think if you look at the first rockets that that von Braun built, here's the the German expert on rocketry. When he, when von Braun first started building rockets for NASA, they were spectacular failures as well. I mean, there's an interesting thing in Paperclip that, like the Russians, when they they had their own version of Paperclip, but a lot of the guys that they got who worked under Korolev were technicians, and they had they had I think much better success um, initially than we did. And what we got were scientists, right? So the people that Korolev had were operational. So, you know, that's why you see these, these rockets that come out of Russia and they launch them again and again and again, and they never have these failures. But for us, you know, we build these over exotic, um, aircraft and they tend to fail after a while. Right. Well, let me ask you though, here, we talk about failure after failure with American rockets. Is it also possible that the Russians had failures too. It's just that they withheld the information from the public. They weren't quite as forthcoming as we were then. And I want to just kind of stop it here because we're going to have to do a break. And I want to ask you more about whether some contact claims were really generated by some kind of military disinformation and a bunch of other subjects that we'll get into. Our guest is Olaf Phillips, a conspiracy theory researcher. And you're seeing that now, folks. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. 
minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have that conspiratorial voice from Chris O'Brien, so we know where we're going to go. But I want to just go back to one other thing, and I know we're hitting back and forth about this subject, and that is mentioning Barney and Betty Hill and possible indications there this was a sighting of either some kind of test aircraft or maybe an attempt at mind control, which was popular in the 70s especially. And the thing that always struck me about Barney and Betty Hill is, of course, the fact that their best friends were at the nearby military base, for one. Wouldn't they be ideal candidates or have been ideal candidates for some kind of experiment to test the reaction of Earthlings to the possible visitation by aliens? What do you think, Olaf? You know, it's possible. I mean, as we've discovered just in having a conversation now, right, that conspiracy theories can go all over the place. You know, many, many times when you have a conspiracy theory, there's, there are several angles. You know, on one hand, there's good evidence of something, but on the other hand, there's bad evidence. And, you know, one element of a of a person could be credible and another element could be dis. you know, you could discredit them. It, it's possible. I think that they obviously had some sort of block put in there after it happened. 
I don't know whether it was us or the the people that that they actually met with that uh, that put that block into place. But it, it's obvious when you listen to the when you listen to the hypnotic regressions that there's a lot of fear and they are having problems reconciling it. You know, something, some sort of hypnotic suggestion was put in there. But I, I can't tell you whether we did it or they did it. I mean, I will say that there there has been evidence presented over time of the mill lab scenario where people are picked up and they're they believe they've been abducted and later through hypnotic regression, which is good and bad, you know, it can definitely be steered. And you do see some of that in the the Betty and Barney Hill story, that there was some steering involved. It changes the dynamic. I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, I, I think that that it, it could have happened. It, it could have happened later as well, like with Mill Lab. But I don't know that we know enough about the Betty and Barney Hill scenario completely and utterly to be able to make that kind of judgment. The problem with conspiracy theory, right, is that it's like following breadcrumbs. That you you find this trail of breadcrumbs, but the but you know some of the birds have gotten at the breadcrumbs, and and so there there are holes in the in the in the kind of trail, and you have to kind of bridge those holes somehow, right? And so you're left the a lot of times you're left with these tantalizing mysteries. For example, there was a I want to say it was in 1970 that like I think it was. Sega or Saga put out a I forget who wrote it, but he they put out a like an article and what this person had done is they had taken the iconography, supposed iconography off of UFOs and and presented it and said, Okay, well these are symbols that are seen on UFOs. And I wrote an article about this. And when you look at the iconography that was taken off the UFOs, right? That there's, you know, in one case there's like a red star and then it says you know, it has a bunch of numbers and there's, a, it says like UN and that has a bunch of numbers. And then, you know, there's another one where it's, it's a, it's a series of chevrons. And if you look at the iconography, right. And you compare it to actual symbols that you, you see, like there's a symbol that, that is almost a complete match for the union of fascists, British fascists, right. Which was a Nazi organization in Britain in the thirties and the forties, or the chevrons match fairly closely the a kind of symbol that was put on the side of Luftwaffe aircraft. Or, you know, if you think about it logically, why would a UFO, have have uh, American, you know, English American English letters and numbers printed on the side of it, especially that say UN. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But what you get is you've got a UFO sighting. Um, the person says, "Okay, well, I saw this symbol," and then it's like, "Well, what does that symbol mean? Right? Is it a alien symbol? Is it a human symbol?" So you've got to make some assumptions, and I think that's ultimately the downfall of conspiracy theory. I mean, you can even see it in the JFK thing, right? That you know, was was E. Howard Hunt one of the tramps or not? Well, it kind of looks like him, but it kind of doesn't. Right? Or, or Fred Christman? Right. Or going back to your symbols uh, idea, the whole Umo right. event. Uh, Socorro is a classic example of uh, a symbol that was from the very get-go was altered so that people reporting that symbol would be factored out of any sighting report investigations by the Air Force. Ray Stanford, you know, has recently, Ray Stanford being the one of the primary uh, initial private investigators on the case, along with Heineck and the Air Force and the Army, you know, was slam dunked uh, the whole idea of 
there being intentional subterfuge uh, behind the Socorro symbol. There was, it was done at the behest of uh, government investigators. But I want to get back, before we get too far afield here, I want to get back to the whole idea of the Soviets and their capabilities right at the end of World War II. Where do you come down on the whole ghost rockets phenomenon? It was, what, over 200 sightings of what appeared to be something akin to a, a V3, possibly a V4. Of course, the V1 was the, the infamous buzz bomb. V2 was the, the large rockets that hit London. But we have a whole series of sightings over Scandinavia that seem to be originating from the Soviet Union. I still have not seen slam dunk evidence to, you know, properly ascertain what these objects were, who was firing them, and from where. Uh, you said the Soviets had their own sort of Operation Paperclip uh, underway. Where do you come down on, you know, the ghost rockets? Number one, and number two, the foo, uh, these whole Foo Fighter uh, orbs uh, that were seen by by pilots uh, during the war. Well, with the ghost rockets, you know, they, they did apparently emanate from Russia. They, they flew over Sweden and Norway a lot. Um, I think they could have been tests. It would make sense that they didn't, they didn't want to fire them into main, over mainland Europe, right? Because they were highly sensitive. And Sweden is, you know, a fairly neutral nation. Uh, Norway had fallen on the side of the Germans through occupation. So it was probably a safer trajectory to fire them. You know, it would appear that the that the Soviets were testing, you know, uh, rockets that they had found or that they had back engineered, uh, which would make sense. I mean, there, there's a famous story of a, I want to say it was like a B-29 that had crashed in Russia and they back engineered it. And um, they had some amazing technicians that back engineered this thing. And there was a there was like a rivet that had sheared off in flight uh, accidentally. And when they when they rebuilt the B-29, they sheared the rivet just to make sure that it was a one-to-one -one match for exactly what they had found. <laughs> Jeez. You know, so Ouch. It, <laughs> well, the, you know, they're well, watching. Why, it, you're saying, you're okay. saying that, yeah, these were tests. Well, why didn't they just fire them back into Russia so nobody would see? They fired well, them into. Is that it sends a message, right? Because the thing that we're always missing as conspiracy researchers or people who are interested in conspiracies is that we're always missing the backstory. Right, we see the evidence of what happens, but we're always missing the why, and we're left to try to figure out what the why is. That's why there's so much controversy. Right, what would make sense to me is that if the if the Allies knew, because the the relationship with the Soviets broke down very fast, and if the Allies knew that the that the Soviets were firing these things, I mean, you're you're talking about a kind of early implementation of mutually assured destruction, right? They're saying, okay, don't mess with me. I have these weapons, right? The same way that we, we would do things that are similar, right? We would detonate things and fire things and point things at each other to make sure that they recognize don't mess with us. Right. So you have this kind of, you know, standoff between the two. So that would make sense. As far as the, the Foo Fighters, you know, I think that was probably some sort of exotic German aircraft. I mean, they, you know, they had the Comet, which was a rocket-powered uh, airplane that they were firing off at the end of the war. So it wouldn't surprise me that they had some sort of like a gas. I forget what there's another term for it. It's like a like a like a gas ball. Let's do our break. All right. 
What were the Foo Fighters? So much more to come with Olaf Phillips, Gene, and Chris. You're in the plasma. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends. If you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships. If you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise. And you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. Again, that's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, an equal opportunity employer. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. 
legal. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I guess this show is going to become the Plasma Cast <laughs> with Gene and Chris Olaf Phillips joining us. Olaf suggesting that the Foo Fighters were just conventional thingies. So all the things that were seen during World War II, were they all test aircraft or experiments of some kind? Did any real UFOs get in there somehow? Well, you know, I've over time I've always kind of leaned on the idea of what Heineck and Valley and a lot of the other guys have said, where it's, you know, roughly 10 to 15% of them are anomalous. I mean, I... You know, what I saw when I was eight was completely anomalous. I can't explain to you what I saw. You know, I, I saw another UFO when I was about 14 that looked like the Lazar Sportster model. You know, I don't know if that was a that was alien or if it was a, a human crew. I saw it. And then the last real UFO that I know for sure was a UFO I saw when I was in my early 20s. And it did things that I've never seen an aircraft do. But I can't tell you who was piloting it. Things that you never saw an aircraft do, like, for example? Make 90-degree turns at high speed. It, they were triangular in shape, and uh, they were flying between two radio masts that were probably 10 to 15 miles apart, maybe 20 miles apart. And they would fly to one and then kind of flip over and fly back and flip over and fly forward and flip over and fly back and flip over. You know, that would have been very uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, to be upside down for part of the flight, come back, go upside down, come back. So it's odd. It's very odd to have seen it. Well, some pilots, I think, like that crazy kind of maneuvering, don't they? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it makes it utterly fascinating. But for me, to see an aircraft do a 90-degree turn, that's not something that's very common. Because, you know, aircraft, conventional aircraft aren't designed to, to make, you know, high-speed 90-degree turns. They can't do it. It's impossible. You know, they have to make an arc. You know, I mean... It, that's the problem here, right? The fundamental problem is that, in my mind, you know, I, I've done I've done a fair amount of research, and and I have a kind of worldview that that I've come up with, you know, of what all this is and how it all fits together, right? But ultimately, you know, when we see an exotic aircraft in the sky, whether it's alien or human, we'll probably never know. The best we can do is guess. If you take a larger worldview, it starts to to adjust your perception of what you're seeing because there's a larger game plan at work, right? So, you know, to me, a lot of what informs my my decision-making process is where it's seen and in what context, right? Because it makes sense that if aliens exist and they found out that we're here, that they would come here and they would watch us. You know, when I was in college, I studied anthropology and the 
there are different schools of thought about anthropology, but the the school of thought that I I seem to have been educated in and, and bought into was the observational method that we we would sit far back from the culture and in order to not taint it, we would you know we'd sit back way back and use binoculars and you know telephoto lenses to watch them interact and you know and to see what they were doing. There's a more participatory model, but that was never the model that I kind of gravitated towards. But if you take that kind of kind of idea then a lot of the things that you see that are anomalous you know from cattle mutilations to human abductions and everything in between starts to make sense at least to me that you know you're seeing you're testing humans and you're testing cattle to see genetic drift and to see what environmental damage has done to them over time and you know it's kind of like mutual of omaha's wild kingdom with with marlon perkins up in the helicopter with the tranquilizer rifle you know he's gonna he's gonna down that elk and he's gonna go down there and, and then they're gonna measure it and weigh it and poke it and prod it you know so that makes sense but that's one context but in the second context some of these ufos that people see they have definite flight patterns there there's one in particular that was very interesting it was a very bizarrely shaped aircraft i'll just say aircraft generically and it was sighted by at least four people um three of whom i know right and one person who just you know said hey i had a sighting and the trajectory of the aircraft flew north to south from somewhere in the north. I could never determine where, but, you know, flew the length of the West Coast and started to descend in altitude around L.A., right, and around Edwards Air Force Base. Well, that doesn't seem to me to be very UFO-y, right, that they're going to fly, you know, down the coast and they're going to descend and make turns out by Edwards. That sounds like an aircraft to me. So a lot of times the context of how the, where it's going and how it's seen, it plays a, a huge role in, in the identification of it, right? Because the best you can do is guess. So you have to use all the information you have. Well, the best I can do is guess when you bring up the subject of cattle mutilations, although I am sitting on quite a database that I'm losing my hair pulling it out and scratching my head trying to figure it out. But you mentioned cattle mutilations, and let's digress for a moment and address this particular mystery, if it is a mystery. Where do you come down on the whole cattle mutilation theory uh, that it's by aliens or it's the government doing environmental testing or the skeptics say it's all just the work of scavengers and, and predators? Where do you come down? Well, like many things, I think it could be either. I, could, I think it could be either aliens or, or the government. I mean, both make sense. Right. Although I would argue that if it's the government, you know, they have their own herds. I mean, there are large herds of cows and other animals that are owned by the government in test facilities. Uh, you know, they're free range on BLM land, but they're owned by the government and they use it for a variety of reasons. I mean, the school that I went to originally started out as an ag school. So they, they had a government government funded lab on site they had a herd of cattle and they would bring the cattle in and you know take measurements and poke them and prod them and do all those things so from that point of view you know i think it's probably more likely given the dynamics of the cattle mutilation that that at least some of them 
could potentially be alien. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look back at, at some of the research back in the 70s and, and even earlier with cattle mutilations, you know, they were fi- finding phosphorescent uh, dust that had been scattered on the cows to tag them. And you could run that, black that was That was one case. Sure, but why would an alien put phosphorescent powder onto a cow? That doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't. Well, it, it also doesn't make any sense that the government, before I, I go further, I, I believe me when I tell you this, the government does have its own herds. They do mm-hmm. um, all sorts of nefarious experiments on them for whatever reason. But because of the pervasiveness around the world and across the environment, of this particular mystery. Wouldn't you think that there's something about the environment that is more important than the actual animals? Yes. You know, people say, well, Chris, it's, it's aliens gathering genetic material. And my stock answer is, well, why not pick the lock on a, on a slaughterhouse and you can get all the genetic material you need. Obviously there, something is monitoring the environment. What do you think? Let's hold that answer for a moment and we'll do it in our next segment. Olav Phillips, Conspiracy theory researcher is joining us. You're on with Gene and Chris, and I never know what Chris is going to say when I do this. You're in. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the fields is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. 
At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Chris has been taken over by the animals. He is a shapeshifter, like the guy in the TV show True Blood. He's the mayor of the town, and he becomes a bird or a dog or something like that. Okay, Chris asked a long question there of Olaf Phillips, our guest. You have an answer? Well, I, I think you're you're bang on because they're a not always cattle, <laughs> and being they're seen all of this is seen all over the world. I mean, there's evidence of it being done to sheep, cattle, you know, pretty much anything that's a, a livestock, and it's even humans. I mean, there there are cases where supposedly humans were mutilated in the same way. So you know, yeah, I, I would say that it very much. You know, in my mind, I would think that it very much is a, is trying to understand the environmental impact of a region or a location or some other element within a localized uh, group of organisms is probably the best way I could put it. Uh, okay, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, but I, I think if you're going to test the quality of the environment, um, probably the most likely and efficient way to do that would be to test, you know, the animals that live in that, that environment. Right. But um, I, I think like UFOs, like many of these conspiratorially tinged subjects that we cover on the Paracast, there is no one size fits all answer. It is a morass of potential explanations that all kind of dovetail together 
to create something that's bewildering. And when, when people get bewildered, Olav, as you know, they tend to tune out. And the more uncertainty, the more possibility for multiple players become involved in a particular mystery, the more people throw their hands up and just don't want to deal with it. How do we drill down on all these various conspiracy theories from JFK to, um, you know, hidden, uh, forbidden archaeology, UFOs, cattle deaths, abductions, all these mysteries that have tons of data to support all sorts of conclusions or refute them? How do we drill down to the truth? You know, I don't know that you always can. Um, and I think that at least in some situations, like the cattle mutilations, that could be by design. But I think that the problem is, is that, you know, like you said, there's no one size fits all. And as humans, the way we organize um, information in our minds, we want a one size fits all answer, right? Because it's, you want to apply Occam's razor and take the simplest explanation and say, okay, got it, move on. Although we are attracted, I think, to mysteries, we're attracted to mysteries to a point. When it becomes too complex, then we, we do, I would agree with you, turn, tune out. But I think the best you can do is to take an individual situation and investigate it as much as you can, right? And to take all the available data and to see where that takes you. And then say, okay, I think this time this means X. And then the next one comes around and then you, you know, you start to do the same thing and you drill down as far as you can go into that one situation and say, okay, this means why. And over time, you know, if you have enough X's and Y's, you start to see a pattern, right? Like, for example, UFO sightings, right? The, if you take a look at the geographic distribution of UFO sightings, they tend to fall along the coasts the east coast and the west coast and with some exceptions it's a lot lighter in the middle well population density would argue that that if you're going to have a large number of sightings around population dense areas because there are a lot of people walking around looking at things saying okay well i don't know what that is i guess it's a ufo they they go to a ufo database and they enter i saw a weird light so it kind of convolutes the the situation yes but, but ufos the problem being Every time you think you've got the pattern, the five-year cycle for five. So it's the East Coast and the West Coast. But what about sightings in places like Mississippi or Minnesota, the or central part of the country? Of course, in places that are not necessarily near the coast. So there's always the exception that doesn't prove the rule in the UFO field. Right. And that gets to be more and more confusing. If there is a game plan, I think all the efforts to unearth that game plan haven't come to very much what do you think olav about the theory of portal or window areas specific locations that attract more than their share of unusual events well um i never really investigated it too heavily you know like most people i you got to pick them <laughs> um but there are places that definitely appear to have higher than normal odd activity the problem is is that those areas tend to have uh, a wide range of odd activity. So, you know, you take the Skinwalker Ranch, you know, they'll get cryptids, they'll get ghosts, they'll get UFOs, cattle mutilations. It's like an encyclopedia. You know, the, the, uh, there's the uh, valley in southern Colorado, right? That You know, it's the same kind of thing. They get a lot of different things going on there. And, it, and frankly, you know, 
based on what I've seen, it would appear that there are places on the earth that have strange things happen that could be caused by portals or a whole number of things. But, you know, I don't know that in those situations outside of the Skinwalker Ranch, I don't know that in the San Luis Valley or some of these other locations, if anyone has ever tried to really understand it, to try outside of just looking at these sightings and saying, okay, you know, um, after the fact, this is what I can figure out to like proactively go down there and take, take uh, readings of the gravitational fields in the area or to, to try at altitude, even, you know, float a balloon, figure out, you know, wind patterns and, and all the environmental aspects that would well, show you. Olaf, like- hold, hold on. If you're talking about Skinwalker Ranch, uh, you're wrong. There was a crack scientific team that was doing that. And no, that's why I said the exception of Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, it's, in the San Luis Valley. I'm, I'm in the midst of putting together um, a you know 24-7 surveillance camera setup. So yeah, there are it, proactive. Is, that's the one difference is that NIDS, NIDS went into Skinwalker Ranch with the intent to do that. But I think that in most cases they don't. That these these areas that seem to be hot spots of strange activity i mean you you know you look at some of these areas like around taos the people claim to to go through dimensional rifts and and they they claim to go back in time and all kinds of crazy stuff you know there's there's no nids out there trying to investigate it. the only one that i know of where they are doing all those things is skinwalker ranch because nids is doing it and I think that's the shining example. We're talking about conspiracies here, and that could be a red herring too. Keep everybody's attention on that, or Roswell, or wherever. Right. And the real thing could be going on elsewhere. Now it's interesting you talk about Taos. I've, I, you know, lived just a few hours north of there. That was part of my investigative uh, petri dish, if you will. And uh, I've never heard stories of people going through uh, dimensional uh, time-based type things there. Although Donald Rumsfeld has a 50,000-acre uh, elk ranch just north of there, about 40 minutes. Uh, well, maybe he's gone through dimensional rifts, and we've got right now the duplicate, <laughs> not the original. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> well, I think it's important to identify areas that seem to have a preponderance of, of and variety and intensity of, of unusual experiences and throw the powers of diagnostic science at it as and and you got to factor in obviously that tricksterish element uh, that's always present. And the more you factor in your 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 you know compulsion to document things in a particular location, it seems you're more apt to have tricksterish type events occur. Uh, the more focus you put on it, the more convoluted and inexplicable it, it becomes. When we come back, let's let's address the problems that we have trying to drill down through the conspiracies uh, to the truth. Is there a truth about some of these conspiracies? A very good point made by Chris O'Brien. Of course, he's the mysterious Valley guy. That's his secret name. He knows so much about that place. Our guest this week is Olav Phillips, who's going to have some answers on the other side here. He's a long-term conspiracy researcher, and he says, oh boy, he's got plenty, so we'll find out. Right now, we're going to figure out what Chris will say when I utter these words. You're in the Paracast. Not just
just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. sudden change in the wind the day grows dark as ominous clouds move in and lightning begins to carve arcs in the sky and you realize you are not prepared i am telling you to take cover the number of intense storms is increasing exponentially in the u.s tornadoes hurricanes flooding and droughts are happening with greater magnitude and frequency if you are choosing to rely on the government to save you and no one's coming to help them you could be dead wrong the first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to my patriot supply There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48. Visit us online or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Remember, before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. Well, that was simple. Okay. In response to some comments from Chris O'Brien and the fact that we'll drill down more into conspiracy theories in this segment, Olav, what's your response? Well, you know, again, I, I think that the shining example, its and it's good and it's bad, is, is a Skinwalker Ranch. And it's locked it down. You know, they, they don't let anybody in and out of that place because they're controlling it so they can figure try to figure out what's going on in there. Um, but I, I think that you absolutely do have to have to apply diagnostic science to it. And, you know, I think you have to try to apply diagnostic science to pretty much any conspiracy theory that you've got to you've got to see where the tracks lead and, and try to make sense out of it. It's a lot of times, you know, there there's disinformation and human fallibility built into these things. And it becomes very, it's almost finding the truth in some conspiracies is almost like finding a needle in a haystack. You know, a needle in many haystacks. I think it would be more appropriate. But I think you're right. Olaf, uh, Ryan Skinner was on the show recently, and and it brought up a, a very interesting thread at forum.theparacast.com where a new sign, signee uh, came in and said, this is all just, you know, it's subterfuge. It's the government uh, playing games with us. It's it's all tricksterish. Where do you come down on the Skinwalker Ranch scenario as being some sort of, you know, dog and pony show that's trying to uh, give us the idea that it's something truly high, strange, and inexplicable when some people are suggesting uh, that it could be very mundane and very psyops oriented, or or something that's being designed to elicit uh, the response from people in the area as it as being high strange, but in fact it's it's very premeditated and very terrestrial in nature. You know, it's hard to answer that. I mean, it, it could be, but if if the government applied the level of resources that would be required to do it on a mass scale because there are a number of hot spots i mean skinwalker ranch and the san luis valley are only two you know there's and then as you said there's taos and others you know to to create psyops programs for every one of these or even a massive psyops program that covers all of them that's a lot of resources so you know i think that there is weirdness that happens in a in a lot of these locations and and i i think that we need to you know have better scientific investigation of them but as far as and i totally agree uh, and pardon me for interrupting but is it possible that areas that all of a sudden are exposed by the media as being hotspot areas is is there the likelihood that the government gloms onto this and then starts feeding uh, the cultural memes into those areas to to create this focus there, and then they play around with it and see how people respond. If we do this, how 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 will that affect uh, you know the the investigators? Uh, how will that uh, disseminate itself uh, into the culture? Do do you think that some of these areas are being targeted for disinformation campaigns and some sort of you know psyops type program? Yes, but I think only some of them. I think that that you would see that in places where it would behoove the government to do that. 
For example, you know, UFOs over Area 51, Nellis, S4, whatever you want to call it. That would make sense, right? Because they're trying to they're trying to shift the focus from what's actually going on at Area 51. So it would make sense that that the disinformation mill would would feed out various stories about you know about uh, Area 51 Dulce, right? There's been a long term fight over whether Dulce is real or not, and, oh, and that's Dulce a- is very real. I've been there. I've actually uh, spent quite a quite a bit of time uh, there. But what did you see? A lot of Hickory Apaches scratching their heads, going, "Don't ask me." We're seeing hairy, uh, small, two-foot hairy dwarves that we don't talk about. But is there, but is there a massive underground base there where they fought a war? That's uh, you know, of course, I don't know definitively. Uh, my uh, suspicion is that no, that's a red herring for exactly. possibly burying very toxic nuclear waste uh, in a uh, you know a sovereign country. And, and that's the my, U.S. And, and and that's my point is that in the case of Dulce, there are strange things happening there. The the Apache and, and other indigenous groups of the area, you know, regard it, you know, as a as a place of, of strangeness, you know. Um, but the the whole story constructed about the underground facility with the test vats and you know aliens you know uh putting humans through through like grinders and making pastes and nightmare wars, hall <laughs> wars and all this where know. was vincent price when you needed him <laughs> right but i know. could just hear the fateful words that he uttered it just really seems to fit the spirit of our show darkness falls across the land the midnight hour oh forget it but you know that that would definitely be one of those cases where it's like it would make sense to to spread some disinformation around there because you know they probably are dumping to- toxic waste and hazardous hazardous materials in the area and they don't want a lot of discussion about it so they're going to construct this this story that scares the, scares the crap out of most people and they won't go near it you know unless you be abducted by gray aliens and taken down into the base Right. So, you know, again, that is a situation where they took, you know, cryptid sightings in the area and kind of lumped a bunch of stuff on top of it. There's a whole Benowitz thing. You know, it's like that. That's one of those cases where I think, you know, you see some disinformation come into play. But there are other areas, you know, where strange things happen. The, The exact locations can't come to mind, but they, you know, odd things happen there and nobody talks about it. You know, the the locals are very, you know, uh, scared of it. You know, occasionally you get somebody who can break through that wall of silence and and investigate it a little bit. And, you know, those are more legitimate. But I I personally, I think something's going on. I don't I don't think that Bigelow and Nids would would go to the lengths that they've gone to. And, And they're not like they're not exactly suppressing information. They just don't broadcast any of it at all but that's something that they have a long track record of doing which is suspect but what about the conspiracy theory that nids initially and now big aerospace are nothing more than a cutout organization that is uh, applying some sort of window dressing for what may be some quote unquote conspiratorial government program that is actually behind some, if not most, of the activity that's being reported there. And not only there, but San Luis Valley, 
You could go to Gulf Breeze, uh, the Hudson Valley sightings in the 80s. Uh, the M Triangle in Russia. This is not just a U.S. thing for all our, you know, international listeners here. Uh, these types of of scenarios exist all over the planet. You have uh, the Pine Gap facility in Australia. You have some very, very intriguing uh, reports, uh, obviously from South America and Mexico and other places. Do you think that there's a possibility that the government is pumping information into the media and and you know, the the cultural meme is spreading from areas and the ones that actually grow legs may then become the fodder for new psyops programs, uh, new ideas of how to manipulate events and, and gauge the response. Yes and no. I mean, I, I think that, see, the thing about disinformation, right, as a, as a thing is that you always have to have the golden thread that somewhere in all that disinformation is the truth. And it's called the golden thread, right? And you wrap this untruths around the truth. So I think that, that yeah, definitely, you know, the, these, these places are co-opted, but you know, something, I think something weird has to happen there first. And then it has to behoove the government or governments to cover up that area for some reason. And then they start to wrap, they start to expand it. Like Adamski and his stories, they, it starts to grow exponentially around something that actually happened. These, you know, these places that you mentioned, you know, that something weird happened. And, and then the government said, well, you know what? If we if we create a, a mystical underground base that that's, does human cloning and and we fought a war and all this other stuff, you know, then we can make a bigger story that people are kind of afraid of, or we can focus them at this location so they're not looking over here where we're doing bad things. But I think that in the beginning there has to be something that happened there legitimately, and then if if the environment is right, I don't think it's so much. A, a cultural experiment. I think it's more just a misdirection. Before we get, yeah, the question would be to what end, but we'll have that question answered on the other side, because this opens a lot of cans of worms, not just one. We have to kind of put that together. We have some questions from our listeners to express in our next segment. We have Olaf Phillips. He's a conspiracy theory researcher, and we have Gene and Chris you're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X dot com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. Welcome back to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Chris asked Olav about the theories he voiced. To what end, Olav Phillips? What is your response? Well, I I think the the end game of at least some of these locations is misdirection, right? So if you if you focus everybody's attention on point A, right, there's an underground base there. There's things happening at point A that nobody looks at point B, C, or D, where you know they're dumping things or they're testing things, or it's it's like the A12, right? Again, the A12's flying around, people see it, they go, Oh, what is that? It's a high-speed silver aircraft flying across the sky. So what does the CIA do? Because it was a CIA program. What does the CIA do? They say, Oh, that's a UFO. So everybody goes, Oh, I saw a UFO. See, I went to what whatever news agency. And they say, you know, people reporting ufos it could not be possibly be a spy plane right so you know if you fixate people's attention on one location then they lose sight of the other locations around it where things could be happening whether they're tests or illegal dumping which has occurred many times or other nefarious things that are happening you know you're looking over to your left when you should be looking at the right and they're going to use disinformation to to focus that attention on this location. So the, the end result is that, you know, you get, you get to cover up things that shouldn't be covered up at B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, all over to, to your right side. When everybody who's, who has a curious mind and who worries about these things is looking to the left and saying, okay, well, what's going on over there? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, uh, the linchpin for that focus, if you will, is, as you pointed out, the reality of phenomenal events that occur there initially 
and possibly continue to occur there. But then it's glomming on to that and, and, and focusing everyone's attention on there, where possibly around that area, there might be other things that we should be focusing on that we've been inert into focusing on, on you know, whatever disinformation project then kind of wells up from the initial experiences or traditional or even mythic uh, traditions that, that have to do with a particular location. But this brings me up to, this is a really interesting subject that, that we, we cover uh, off and on a lot on the Paracast. And uh, before we get to questions from the forum at theforum.paracast.com, I want to get your take on the whole idea of UFO disclosure and the role of the U.S. government and other governments uh, in this process, and whether you think that there's something that can be disclosed by the government or should be. Well, the, the first thing, whenever I get asked this, and it, it's happened a few times, there are some things that should be secret for a variety of reasons, and those things will never be divulged. You know, some Give of the us things, a for instance. <laughs> that's hard to say because I don't know. <laughs> well, two words, so, national security. security. Right. I mean, there, you know, there are there are ways certain things work and the way things certain things are done that should be secret because, you know, we mine data doing that, you know, methods of, of human intelligence, for example. Right. Those kinds of methods should be secret. I would suggest that certain uh, test aircraft should probably be secret because we don't want um, people who are not. They're not our adversaries per se, but, you know, they're not us and we don't want them to know our full capability in the event that we need to use it. God help us someday. Right. But as far as disclosure, you know, one of the things that you have to kind of isolate is what are we disclosing? Are we disclosing aliens are real, that, that there's a they're space Nazis, you know, and I, I think the generic answer for all those things is that it'll never happen. And I think it'll never happen because not so much that the public's afraid. Like, let's say that it's UFOs and aliens. I don't think it's so much that they, it, it would cause a tremendous amount of cultural impact, but I don't know that it would lead to widespread panic. A lot of the Brookings report, um, not at this point, not with all the preparedness that they've done with things like X-Files and, you know, sightings and in search of and all these shows that have kind of prepared us psychologically for the event of that to happen. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's disclosure 101. Right. But But I think that it's more. Well, how about this? Do you think that other countries are slowly opening up and just divulging their files to take the heat off the U S yes. (laughs) <laughs> Did I say that fast enough? Yes, I, I think that's probably true. But one of the reasons that I think that disclosure will never happen is that in in the perpetuation of these these conspiracies, right, that so many laws have been broken and so many nefarious things have been done to cover it up, that coming clean would do more damage than leaving it the way it is. Right. Because, you know, we we look at the banking crisis and and to this day, you know, it's a political thing. So it depends on how you look at it. But in a a general sense, I think a lot of people are angry about how it went down, whether you're, you know, whatever side of the fence you lie on. I think everybody was generally upset about how it went down. 
right? But there's never been any blowback for it. There's never been, you know, trials or real investigations. It was more like it happened, it's over, let's move on. And I think that's that's the same kind of scenario that I don't think they want to disclose it because the catastrophic damage to the trustworthiness, what little there is left of our government would be, it would be so catastrophic. Wait a minute, you just used the word trustworthiness and government in the same sentence? But you see, that's my point: is that we don't trust them, and we've come to we've come to assume that they're doing bad things. But I think that if we we knew the true scope of some of the bad things that they've done, then we would be very upset. I don't know what would happen. I think you'd need another Brookings report to figure out what would happen. So the amount of laws that have been broken and and the the terrible things that have been done, you know, just the nefarious activities, the fear that scaring people and hiding things. And I also think that it's too complicated, right? Because the people in power that control some of these things, whether they're UFOs or space wars or whatever you want to come down to, secret space programs and all that, it's compartmentalized, right? So it's also a problem of you've got this bureaucratic operation that in some cases is so compartmentalized. Who's coming forward? Who's telling the truth? Right. They only know. Right. And, and oftentimes the right hand has no clue the left hand even exists, and, you know, let frankly, alone the left hand uh, doing something nefarious. But this begs the question, do you think that the government is simply in a reactionary mode or do you think that it's being proactive? I think I think that in some cases it's proactive, you know, where you're they're using misdirection, I think in other cases. Like the A12 that I always go back to, I think that's proactive. Um, and then I think in other cases, it's reactionary. I mean, that you know, there are a lot of people with cell phones. There's a proliferation of cell phone cameras. So now on any day of the week, you know, when they fly an Aurora over the Midwest, somebody's going to get a photo of a donut on a rope, you know, and then that gets put on the Internet and everybody goes, oh, the Aurora is up in the air again. That's not something I think that the, the government necessarily feels comfortable with. They don't want people to know this plane's flying around up there or whatever the second generation aurora is so you know they have to concoct things like well it's a ufo or whatever that's reactionary but i think there definitely is some proactive element of it that that is actively trying to cover up certain things certain test programs certain locations you know for example um the the continuity of government bunkers right cog bunkers there are a number of them and, and they were built during the Cold War. You know, we could do a whole nother show about oh, why they yeah. actually exist and what they do and, and all that. Get but, Richard Sauter. <laughs> right, Richard Sauter, yeah. But they're, you know, they exist, right? And, well, we have to go to break here in a second, but I want you to think about this uh, particular question before we go to break. Are there professional dis- disinformers at work in ufology or are ufologists in general just doing a real good job discrediting themselves? This comes from our longtime poster, Polterwurst, at forum.theparacast.com. So do we have real dis- disinformation agents from the government uh, involved, or are we just <laughs> doing this to ourselves? Before we get the answer, Olav, we have to do the break. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out 
A2 hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. is big not just big it's the freeze dry guys giant factory authorized sale this month save 30 to 45 percent off on number 10 cans of high quality mountain house freeze dried foods from the freeze dry guy factory fresh stock just arrived so now is the time to stock up with the finest best tasting longest proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45 percent off but hurry supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand call 866-404-3663 free shipping to the lower 48 states click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663 that's freezedryguide.com hurry the giant factory authorized mountain house sale is going on now only from the freeze dry guy the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Some people think we're saying the parrot cast. You know, like Polly want a cracker, some kind of thing. I don't know. With Gene and Chris, we have Olaf Phillips joining us. Chris asked him a question, and now Olaf, having had three or four seconds to think about it, what's your response? Um, you know, the way that the disinformation works best is not to have a, a disinformation agent, per se. Not like you have this dude, he's, he's part of the CIA, and his whole job is to break into organizations and spread around, you know, distruths, right? Um, I, I think that what you're seeing is that, and this goes back to even what happened to Bob Oshler decades ago, what, what you have is a scenario where you've got a bunch of people who really, really are interested in UFOs, right? And maybe anonymously or however you want to deliver to them, you give them a nugget, right? And that nugget is there's a golden thread of UFOs are real, but there's all this other stuff wrapped around it that's all this information. You hand them the nugget, and then I think they distribute it themselves. So I think nine, 99% of the time, the disinformation is perpetuated by ourselves. Unknowingly, un- unthinkingly, I've probably done it myself, I've probably of both of you inadvertently not even knowing. Yeah, I was reported as being in a black helicopter. Uh, well, I was re- a black helicopter was reported, and it was actually me flying in a dark purple helicopter, photographing herds of cows. So exactly. I understand where you're going with that, but but if you look at, at some very key figures, I think in in the fairly recent history of ufology, uh, as an example, you have someone like uh, Bill Moore, someone like Richard Doty, uh, Robert Collins. Another question from Polterwurst. How much of today's UFO mythology do we owe to Bill Moore? Could he have faked the MJ-12 documents with the help of one or two others just for fun? Or was this a systematic example of disinformation? Well, when you talk about people like Bill Moore and, and the others, you know, you're talking about the Avery. Right. And this is the idea that that they were handled and given information and distributed. The alleged Avery. The alleged Avery. But I think that when you look at at those guys and what they did, Doty is a completely different topic. Doty by himself is a completely different topic. He's also about five shows. And one time, just to interrupt quickly, he said once or twice he'd come on the Paracast and then he disappears. But please go on, Olaf. Well, when you look at Bill Moore and the others, there are a number of other people that were supposedly in the aviary. Um, I think that very much is a situation where you've got guys, and, and Bill Moore, if I remember correctly, has said, well, I did it to get the real information, right? And, you know, I think you have a, you have a situation where you've got people for a variety of reasons. Excuse me, hold on, Olaf. He, uh, when Bill Moore said he did what? That he spread the disinfo. You're talking MJ-12? You're talking Benowitz? What are you talking about? I don't remember exactly which part of it. See, they've spread so much, right? Well, you're thinking of his MUFON presentation back in the late 80s. I think I am thinking of that. But, you know, there's all there's always this, well, I did it for the greater good thing. And I think what what you've got is is you've got somebody who handed them information, and then they, in the case of Bill Moore, no, knew it was suspect, but perpetuated it for his own personal gain 
right? And this is one strategy to co-opt people in intelligence, right? You, you co-opt them through money, power, sex, drugs. They Everybody's well, got to- uh, Hold on a minute. I was involved in investigating a real UFO hotspot that obviously had some government uh, intrigue involved with it. Nobody right. showed up at my house with a, a Samsonite suitcase filled with $100 bills. Uh, there was no hot babe uh, knocking on my door and saying, hey, big boy. Is this um, an I invitation, a, a Chris? Let me stop deal. here. Let Stop. Let me ask you, Chris, you're inviting the suitcase filled with $100 bills and the babes, right? Sure. <laughs> and I'll document it and then turn them down. But what what I'm saying is that a lot of times... In a lot of times, I think in ufology, however, the information enters the enters the picture, right? That it, it's passed, and, and you're probably not a good example because I, you know, you want to get at the truth, and your motives are different. But I think in a lot of cases, people want to believe so much that if they're given something that they can believe and they want to believe, then they're going to spread it around. Does that make sense? Yeah, Linda Moulton Howe comes to mind. Stephen right. Greer. Name Shall names. I go on with names? Why, why don't you add a few names there? Well, I, I try not to name names, but you know, I think I, I think there are a number of people out there that you know their their backgrounds are suspect, and the information that they get is suspect. This is and the Paracast, Olav. We name names, please. Yeah, but you know what? I, I like to be everybody's friend, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> Not gonna do that. But hey, that's our problem, Chris. We're not everybody's friends. <laughs> hey, I'm friends with everybody. That's why I, I get dog for not asking tough questions on the show because everybody we get on, I know. Well, this is some of the toughest questions I've gotten. Believe me, <laughs> we haven't gotten started yet. We, man, have we three haven't even more gotten segments. started, man. Are you? Uh, do you got a seatbelt on that office chair? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I installed it. I heard about you too. You know, I was a little worried, but you know, I think in the case of, of Linda Moulton Howe, for example, right. She describes, since you already named her name, she describes a, a process by which Doty gave her information. And if you understand how the organization that Doty belonged to, which she did belong to, operates, that's in a total violation of how they do things. And it's an organization that, that is governed by process, that the way they do things, because they're investigative, right, they have to follow a certain procedure. Whether they're introducing disinformation or whatever, there's a way that things are done. And if you violate that, it's very, very, very bad. And I know that for a fact. And the description of how the information was given to her, this going into the office and, and seeing things, they don't do that. that you, they just will not do that. Right. So, you know, the, the information delivery was very suspect. But, you know, she... At the time, I'm not going. I'm I'm not going to comment on her other investigations, which may be good or bad. I'll leave that to you guys to decide. But I think we already time. have. In fact, we asked her to come on the show very recently, and first she says yes, and then I think she looked at the show and saw the name Christopher O'Brien as the co-host and decided not to respond. Just well, adding that. You can't blame it on me, Gene. Actually, well, you're here. We want to blame everything on you. They blame everything on me. So I might as well turn the tables. But, you know, I, I think that, that she thought she was going to get some really great info, and, and she was willing to suspend disbelief in that situation. And, you know, she was fed information that's not true, a variant of which I believe my, my memory is cloudy, um, but I'm actually not feeling that great today. But um, the, 
this similar information, I think was passed to Bill Moore or somebody else got something that was like a, like a slightly different than what she got, but it was basically the same. And, you know, well, it, it was Doty at Kirtland Air Force yeah, Base, was, but we, we, we're going to have to go to break here in a second. And when we come back, Olaf, I'd like to hear, and this is a question from our longtime poster, Polterwurst at forum.theparacast.com. We'd like to hear what your favorite conspiracy theories are. Oh, I can't wait for that. Olaf Phillips sure. will tell us about his favorite conspiracy theories in our next segment. But right now with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother and his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. 
I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Here with Gene and Chris, two more segments with O.I. Phillips' fascinating journeys and excursions into conspiracy theories. And regardless of our reputation in the past, I will agree with what Chris conveyed to be by mental telepathy, we're being Really nice. Chris, you had something to comment on further. Maybe this will change our tune, that we're not being nice. What do you think? Well, I think we're being nice. I, You know, Olav, really, I salute you for your, your diligence and getting involved in this uh, incredible kaleidoscopic morass of conspiracies, especially when it, you know, it involves the paranormal, UFOs, and things that go bump in the night that, that you know, the scientific community and the academics don't want to deal with. But before we went to break, I, I, I just I was looking at Polterwurst's question about uh, you know what are your favorite conspiracy theories? We've been kind of dancing around uh, quite a number of them, but but where do you come down? What are the ones that really fascinate you the most? Well, I, I love exotic aircraft. Uh, number one, you know, I'm an Air Force brat. Um, my grandfather and my father were both in the Air Force, and you know, I spent the early part of my life in uh, on Air Force bases. So I love planes and exotic aircraft. And there's a lot of conspiracies around those. <laughs> but um, come you know, down on, on the uh, secret space program. Do you think we have a breakaway civilization that has anti-grav technology? Uh, you know, the Skunk Words founder, Ben Rich, said we have the technology to take E.T. back to the stars. Whatever you can envision, uh, we, we've already figured it uh, out. We found the, the missing formula, all these things. Where do you come down there? Well, you forgot he also said that not only do I have the means to get E.T. home, but I have the contract. That's a, That was my favorite one. <laughs> you know, actually, it is. Uh, I think it stems out of my interest in uh, exotic aircraft that... You know, I'm I'm very interested in the secret space program, not just the the base mechanics of what the aircraft is that they're flying, but the larger picture of why it exists. 
Um, I've written, written quite a number of articles about that. I'm actually working on a book about it. But I think the one that really boggles my mind that, that I've been at for a number of years is the whole alternative three thing. It's a very, um, a very controversial topic. You know, there, there's a group of people that, that simply say it's not real. And, you know, but I think there's there's compelling evidence that the structure of it is real. You know what? Let's go back, backtrack a little bit. Remember, a lot of our listeners are new to the show. We have a worldwide audience of people who have been around this crazy collection of subjects for years. Others were not. Explain what you're talking about there. So in the in 1977, there was a TV show. It was the final, if I remember correctly, it's the final episode of a TV show called um, Science Report. It was kind of like a, a 60 minutes style, let's investigate science. And it was broadcast on the East Anglia TV network. And the the final episode was called Alternative 3. And it, it basically outlined the how should I put this? Uh, the apocalypse and what the government was doing to fix it. And the, over this uh, fifty-minute period, the the reporters went through and talked to people, and you know they came to the the conclusion that the Earth is going to suffer some sort of cataclysm. Uh, in the case of Alternative Three, it's an ice age. The powers of be are taken off and go into Mars. That's kind of summing it up. It was supposed to be broadcast April first, supposedly as an April Fool's joke. Uh, due to due to a strike and some other uh, activities that happened, it was broadcast. If I remember correctly, in June, I'd have to look, um, but it, I think it was June, and it was broadcast simultaneously in England, like Sweden, and I think uh, Australia. They broadcast it at the same time. And it was a kind of War of the Worlds reaction where everybody freaked out, and um, the switchboard lit up, and it, it led to it led to laws being passed that the, that kind of programming can't be aired in all the countries I mentioned. The head of NBC Drama optioned it because it, it really is rather interesting to watch. The head of NBC Drama optioned it, came back to the United States. He was on vacation at the time and watched it. Uh, standards and practices at NBC rejected it and said it was too dangerous. I think the only place in the world that it can be aired on the air is in Japan, and supposedly they show it once a year. But there's a whole mess of stuff within Alternative 3, that there were three alternatives that were supposedly executed to try to fix a problem. The first was like a high-altitude detonation of a nuclear device to try to vent carbon dioxide and CO2 gases into space. The second was a massive underground complex building spree, which uh, I think any conversation with Richard Sauter would make you realize that that has happened. <laughs> Whether it's Alternative 3 or just you know the new Cold War, there's bunkers everywhere. And then the third option was a breakaway space program. right? And I, I think that um, in, in conjunction with that, that there's actually a, the possibility of a war going on in space uh, between elements of the surviving Third Reich, whether it's the Third Reich, Fourth Reich, whatever you want to call them. Um, but they're, they're fighting up there and one of the things that's made me believe that amongst others is some of the things that grim ed grimsley is caught with his night vision where you appear to see like dog fights and i've actually witnessed it um i was in an event where ed grimsley was he brought out the the night vision scopes and put it on you know and i saw triangles doing loops around each other and all kinds of craziness up at high altitude so you know the alternative three secret space program is actually quite a fixation for me very, very fascinated. Well, 
One thing, uh, Olaf, that you kind of glossed over, forgot to mention was that there have been, at least back in the 70s, there were quite a number of fairly high-placed scientists that the program claimed had disappeared, and the inference being that they had been smuggled away to Mars or some some other place where they were uh, continuing their research. So what do you think? I mean, you, you've described a, a real sci-fi sounding scenario. Where do you come down on this? Do you think that there's a, a golden th- thread of truth behind this or wh- what, what do you think? Yes, I, I think there's a golden thread of truth. Um, there was a subsequent book written by Leslie Watkins and he's pretty much vanished, but the, you know, he, he claims that he got dang- he, he thought he was writing kind of science fiction, but the more that he investigated, the more he started to realize it was real. And he claims that when he moved, I forget if he moved to New Zealand or from New Zealand, uh, but when he was moving, uh, his container got broken into and they stole everything. But he he was apparently told by a number of people that it was real. But I, I don't think I don't think that the program that you watch is real. Um, I think that that. That is probably the disinformation element of it, but I think structurally it's real. And you can look at various elements of it to, to see the reality of it. You know, in the late 50s, uh, there, were, there, were, there were meetings, and this is all public record, where, you know, certain climatologists back in the 50s realized that we were going to have a massive greenhouse effect. And they started to come up with ways to try to fix it. When you look at the explosion at high altitude, there was a test called Project Argus that was carried out in the in the South Atlantic. And they carried it out in half the time that it would normally take. I think they prepared for like six months, where normally it would take a year to a year and a half to prepare such a thing. And a lot of times people say, well, that was because of the, the test ban treaties coming into effect and the limits on high altitude nuclear tests but you know if if you look at what they did they basically detonated a nuclear bomb at super high altitude uh a la you know uh, alternative three ostensibly to, to test a, a effect the crystal effect where they attempted to create a um an artificial van allen radiation belt which i guess they were successful at doing but you know there's a subtext there and it was very secret in fact i think that if i remember the uh, the full dynamics of the test were not made public until like the 80s you know it was suppressed for over 20 years what they actually did and at the time um they the news reported that it was like the greatest you know nuclear experiment ever carried out well you've got the greatest nuclear experiment ever carried out that's been scientifically suppressed for 20 years until it's no longer useful you know what this won't be any longer useful if we don't do our break olav phillips is with us we've got gene and chris because you're in the paracast From the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. You are now in the crosshairs. The NSA and the FBI are treating you like a criminal and monitoring your every move. Ron Paul said recently, The evidence of the totalitarian nature of this government is on display undeniably every day. What's taking place right now is a coup and the destruction of the Constitution. But a friend and patriot has discovered a loophole. Find out about the NSA loophole before they shut it down at privacylockdown.com. That's privacylockdown.com. Good people need help. The Homeowners Association said we had weeds and fined us $25. We told them they had the wrong house. They said if we didn't pay it, they'd file a lien. Our attorney demanded photographs, witnesses, and told them if they couldn't provide this, they must cease and desist. Issue solved. Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. Have you ever wondered why farmers can keep their livestock lean and healthy just by feeding them minerals in a nutrient-dense diet? Before market, they cut off their minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains to fatten them up. So if weight control is this easy, why does the medical system prescribe invasive surgical gastric bypass for humans? The truth be told, according to research, you can avoid over 900 different diseases just by getting 90 essential nutrients daily. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com and order your Healthy Start Pack and get your 90 for life. Or dial 855-301-TEAM. I said essential, not optional, and every day. Easy. 90 for life on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com or call 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com at sonsoflibertyteam.com. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. 
Well, we're running out of conspiracy theories. No, we're not. They are endless. Olaf Phillips joins us. And, of course, one of the most interesting theories that fall into conspiracy theories, I don't know if it's a conspiracy, though, is the ever-present legend of Tesla. What about that? What's your take on him? You know, I I have to be honest. I never... Um Outside of seeing Tesla coils and stuff, I've, I've never really investigated Tesla. What happened makes a lot of sense that he he invented a lot of things and and then suddenly he was suppressed. I mean, that's happened before. You know, he had a running fight with other scientists of the time. I think there there's a lot of weird things that supposedly happened where his lab was broken into and all his research was stolen. And, you know, so I think there's probably something there. But whether he he actually created the weather modification machines and the earthquake machines and the lasers and the other stuff that are attributed to him, I, I wouldn't know. But it's definitely, yeah, it's fascinating. Now, the other one, of course, is the guy who founded NICAP ahead of Major Donald Kehoe. It was founded by an anti-gravity guy named T. Townsend Brown. Right. What's the story about him? Because he was ousted, I guess, or thrown out or something. Oh, boy. I got to go back in time for that one. That's that's way back there. Um, well, he he supposedly invented quite a number of things, including a functional anti-gravity engine. Like, And I think he worked on a perpetual motion device as well. But again, you know, the, those both Tesla and, and, and him, they fall into this realm of conspiracy theory about scientific suppression right that these guys had invented these devices that you know they could power all kinds of things cars planes what what have you and they were suppressed scientifically because the military industrial complex was making money off of oil and electricity and so they were suppressed to to keep that money flowing in you know, I think it's probably something we should look at nowadays, you know, depending on how you fall about peak oil. It might be something, an instability in the Middle East, the probably technologies we should revisit. <laughs> but, Chris, we should also look into uh, uh, Marconi, uh, who, of course, was um, in a patent fight with Tesla about who invented radio. So we see here that it's not just Apple and it's not just Samsung who engage in patent fights. Just want to point that out. But one thing that's always intrigued me, Olaf, about Marconi is he disappeared without a trace, supposedly uh, going into the, I think, the jungles of Venezuela. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Gene. And uh, he may be kind of our litmus test sort of prototype uh, you know, mad scientist uh, that we see uh, every so often in the James Bond movies. What do you know about the conspiracy surrounding the disappearance of Marconi? Un- unfortunately, not as much as I should. <laughs> Again, you know, those guys that 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 br- that element of conspiracy theory was not something that I I uh, spent a lot of time researching. But yeah, he did disappear. But a lot of these guys, again, you know, they they fall into this realm where they're making these breakthroughs and the the powers that be, you know, are unhappy with the breakthroughs that they're making and they tend to disappear. Or the case of Tesla, I believe he died penniless in a in a hotel in New York. So Right, you know they they always meet un, untimely or unsuccessful ends. That Tesla, you know, spent 
his life building these insane machines that, you know, anybody who's seen a Tesla coil, I mean, that alone, you know, Jacob's ladder, those things are impressive to see. And the kind of raw power that he was able to harness Marconi, you know, around radio and some of the things that he had done. These are amazing technologies, but they tend to disappear or to, to die completely discredited, which in the case of Tesla, he was discredited. Well, that, that kind of, uh, brings us back to the whole idea of alternative three where you have some sort of brain uh drain or you know the you know the disappearance of particular key figures in in cutting edge uh aspects of scientific investigation and research uh look at all the uh the deaths of biophysicists uh biochemists biochemists in the 90s and in the case of alternative three the number of people that, that disappeared from the Marconi Corporation in England, uh, for it's instance, uh, was was very, very intriguing. It's massive. I mean, they, they lost dozens and dozens of people, died, well, disappeared. Well, so do you think that there is a breakaway civilization? Is there yes. a concerted effort by the powers that be to gather the biggest, the best, the brightest, the most talented, purloin them into some sort of location, and uh, have them do their you know, cutting edge research in secret and hide the results of that research from the public. Is this, is this a sci-fi novel uh, scenario or is, could this possibly be real? Well, I think, I think it's real and it, it's not just, you know, scientists. I think, you, you know, you see massive numbers of people that just disappear. Um, and that's the batch consignment angle of, of Alternative 3, the slave labor, low-skilled labor that they used to, to operate whatever they built. And, you know, more than that, if you look at the moon, if you look at Mars, every once in a while, there, there's a lot of stuff that's really suspect. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a dome. There's a lot of fakes. But occasionally, even in the NASA originals, you know, you find structures. I mean, there, there's buildings on Mars. That are real. I mean, you know what? That's kind of disputed. You know, I have to tell you, it really is. I'm. You're entitled to your your opinion, but the face on Mars and all this other stuff, the Richard Hoagland stuff, we've had talking- more than one show showing that a lot of that's maybe nonsense. Well, yeah, the paradelia. All you know, looking at the you know latest uh, photograph of a rock on Mars. I mean, I I've been going there and back with several individuals about you know, their particular interpretation of what that rock in the the play of light and shadow could be. But, you know, but we're on our last segment here, Olaf, and I'm sure a lot of people out there are really interested in what you do. But before we get to uh, how they can find out more about you, why don't you tell us some of the authors and researchers that you would advise our listeners to go and investigate to learn more? Well, I think you're, you know, you're a good one. You know, I, I read a lot of the books about the San Luis Valley and the mysterious things that happen there. Um, I mean, there's just a ton. Um, I like Henry Stevens. You know, I read a lot of his stuff. I really like Nick Redfern. You know, he's an amazing writer and amazing researcher. Um, I go back to the old stuff, Jacques Vallée, Heineck, those guys um, a lot. Um, I, I like some of... Uh, Childress's books on lost civilizations; those are are fascinating. Let me turn around. I got a, a library here. Let me see what I got. Uh, J- uh, Dolan, Richard Dolan. I like him. Um, Brad Steiger. Paul has been a huge fan of Brad Steiger. Uh, John Keel. 
and a lot of the classics. <laughs> well, of course, I knew Keel for a right. number of years, and I think we came close to having him on before he passed, but he got really crotchety in his final years. Oh, well. Olav Phillips, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you write and talk about. Sure. Uh, it's anomalies.net, A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E-S.net. That's simple enough, anomalies.net, and of course we'll have yes. a link over here at thepowercast.com for that. Let me tell our listeners that Chris O'Brien is still doing it. He's still autographing those copies of Stalking the Herd. If you go to OurStrangePlanet.com, OurStrangePlanet.com, and you order the book from him, number one, he gets all the money. He doesn't give it away to Jeff Bezos at Amazon, who doesn't need the money. He'll also autograph and number that book at OurStrangePlanet.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as The Paracast. Look for The Paracast on Twitter. Look for two official Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. And we're working with somebody now to try to merge them into one. It's not easy because with Facebook, you literally can merge them, but you have to kill the content of one. That's not very smart. We think Facebook knows how to find you. They don't know how to fix problems. There you go. And by the way, we have the great forums at forum.theparacast.com. That's forum.theparacast.com. Sign up. It's free. Get involved. They say it's where it's at, but that's kind of something from the 70s. We don't do that anymore. Olaf Phillips, thanks for joining us on the Paracast this week. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. It's a tough show. Wow, you guys are really good. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>